Well, welcome to Local Matters. Our focus today is Education Matters, and our special guest is John Bell, who's Executive Director of the Foundation at Cookville Regional Medical Center. Welcome back, John. Thanks for having me. Well, it's it's always good to have you. Uh, tell us about what the Foundation does at CRMC. Sure. The uh, Charitable Foundation primarily focuses on raising funds to help particular patient groups with a pretty wide variety of, of needs. So we have restricted funds set up to help cancer patients, heart patients, diabetes patients, pediatric patients, and many other subsets of patient groups. And those, uh, those groups that we help come from all across the Upper Cumberland. It's uh, from primarily a 14-county region, but uh, occasionally a few counties beyond that, even into Kentucky sometimes. And those patients that receive help are generally being discharged from the hospital and their case manager or physician has noticed they're going to have a need as they move back home. Oftentimes that's uh, maybe a, a medication that they won't be able to afford. It's the one they've been prescribed. Um, but, you know, if it's $80 a month for a lot of families, that's a real struggle. Uh, and for the from the hospital side of things, you know, you send a patient home and there's a, a high chance that they're not going to take that medication. Uh, there's a real high chance they'll end up back in the ER uh, in, in a short time period. So, uh, the, the hospital certainly wants to see folks uh, going home with medication uh, that they can afford to have. Uh, so we, we get a lot of calls at the foundation uh, to help patients with that, but we also help with uh, specialized medical equipment. Um, oftentimes insurance will only cover a portion of that, or um, there will be a very large copay associated with it. And uh, for a lot of families, uh, some of that equipment can be multiple thousands of dollars, particularly for um, um, mobility devices uh, for children or even adults. Uh, we help a lot of folks with simple things like transportation to and from the hospital. They might be driving 45 minutes or more on a recurring basis. Oftentimes that's for uh, re rehab, um, cardiac rehab or, or just the rehab center where they're engaged for six to 12 weeks in some type of ongoing rehab and need to come back to the facility again and again. And oftentimes that's for cancer patients who are facing long-term uh, treatment at the uh, the cancer center. Well, and you also do a lot in the foundation with uh, education-related things. I know today you've been uh, working with the Imagination Library some. So tell us about uh, what the foundation does from an education side and and then about the the Imagination Library itself. Sure. A secondary function of the foundation is to look at the uh, Upper Cumberland region as a whole and uh, try to identify areas we can impact health and wellness. Where can we make some wise investments of donated dollars and expand programs or support programs that are, are making an impact on the health and wellness of our community? So we assist uh, with, uh, for example, the remote area medical clinic uh, that offers a, a free clinic once a year. Uh, we um, operate um, Carmen's Fund, which provides free CPR and AED um, education. Um, we do that twice a month at the foundation office, and we'll, we'll train about 1,000 folks uh, this year for CPR certification. We have an EpiPen program that provides EpiPens to schools and to um, uh, police departments in collaboration with those, those departments. We have an angel garden for un unfortunate um, 
young demises. Um, it gives them a place for those families that can't afford burial to uh, honor that child and, and give them an appropriate place for, for, for burial. Um, we partner with the Upper Cumberland Healthcare Coalition. We offer a great number of um, uh, preventative services for screenings, lung cancer screenings, breast cancer screenings, and others. Uh, so we're, we're trying to assist in um, healthcare needs beyond those specific to patients being discharged, looking at the future needs and the ongoing needs. And that fits right with the hospital's mission. CRMC's mission is to build healthier communities. That's what they talk about. And if you can do that before they get to the hospital, it not only saves everybody a lot of money, but a lot of pain, and it does make a healthier community. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of those offshoot programs that, that fits into that mold of just making the community healthier is the Imagination Library. Um, a g- good number of children are signed up for the Imagination Library while they're in the hospital uh, through labor and delivery. So when those children are born, uh, that family will receive information about the Imagination Library and how to sign up. Most folks are familiar with uh, Dolly's Imagination Library. Dolly Parton. Absolutely. And uh, so uh, she, I forget the year that it was founded, but it's its uh, at least 17 years old at this point. Um, the program provides free books to families with young children from birth until age five. Um most folks are familiar with it, but they don't know kind of the structure of how it works. The way it works in Tennessee is Dolly Parton's Imagination Library sources the books. They find the books they want to allow in the program, and they pay um, basically the publishing rights and all that kind of stuff that goes along with acquiring the ability to distribute the books. Then the Governor's Books from Birth Foundation, Tennessee Governor's Foundation, covers half the expense necessary to mail those books to recipients that are signed up within Tennessee. And then each county has to fundraise for the other half to help children that live in that county. So the foundation um, off acts as fiduciary for the Imagination Library. So we, uh, we manage the money and help them uh, uh, fundraise and kind of plan for the future. Um, even though it is a, a standalone entity, it is a collaborative effort with the foundation to continue that and to make sure it's successful. Um, so we locally have to raise, each county uh, in our service area has to raise money uh, to assist with the overall cost or the program doesn't work. Um, the Governor's Foundation will only pay half if the existing other half is there, and Dolly Parton's group will only send those books if the governors and the local groups come up with that money. So it is an expense for each community in our region to continue that that going, but it's an incredible benefit uh, for the children who receive those books. Anyone can enroll. Um, there's no criteria for that for families. So um, uh, uh, my children read those books uh, growing up, and it's wonderful. And there's so much data to uh, indicate that if parents will read to their children during the first five years of life, before they're able to read on their own, that that has long-term benefits, not only for their education, but on their health. Um, you know, the, the, the tagline we, they used over and over this morning while we were meeting was, um, an educated community is a healthier community. And, and I think that's a great tie-in. 
That is a great uh, phrase and a great way to say it. This is Local Matters. We are talking to John Bell, the executive director of the Cookville Regional Medical Center Foundation, and uh, talking at, at this point about the Imagination Library and early childhood reading. Uh, we don't always think about a healthcare foundation working with the Imagination Library. But again, the goal of Cookville Regional Medical Center is building healthier communities, and certainly early childhood reading is a big part of that. Uh, John, there's a lot going on, so literacy matters, doesn't it? Absolutely. We have roughly, just in Putnam County, uh, 3,000 children currently enrolled in the Imagination Library program. So they're receiving each month a free book delivered to their home uh, for those parents to read to the children and to teach them how to read. And there's, there's many goals for that program. One, of course, is to prepare children in a cohesive way to enter in pre-K and, and the school system. And there's um, one of the major advantages to having, you know, a good chunk of your uh, population enrolled in the program is those kids have the same experiences. They're exposed to the same stories. They have something in common before they enter in the school system. Uh, so they've got a baseline that's very similar um, and, and that gets them all kind of on the same footing as they enter pre-K and into the school system. There's uh, I don't have all the statistics in front of me, but uh, you can go to uh, um, the governor's books, uh, thegovernorsfoundation.org, or of course you can Google Dolly Parton's Imagination Library, and they have a lot of health statistics that show the long-term impact of, of early childhood uh, reading and, and education uh, for an adult. Uh, so there's, you know, economic impact here that, that uh, uh, reading this, produ- reading to young children will produce adults who are more educated. And uh, that in turn, of course, helps us have a, a better educated workforce. Yeah, it's amazing to uh, think about some of those statistics. I, I read something that that said that in the first few years of life, a child's brain builds 700 connections each second. And reading, of course, can play a, a really big part of that. And that brain is uh, 80% developed before they're age three years old. So that early childhood stuff is really, really important. And I know in the, the um, Imagination Library, the books from birth thing, if a child is enrolled, they're going to receive over 60 books before they're five years old. So that's a great opportunity to make a healthier person out of that. We're, of course, very appreciative to uh, uh, the governor uh, for continuing the program and for covering half of the cost. And, uh, of course, we could not do this. There would be no program without Dolly's Imagination Library. But the other half of that cost has to be raised by each county that is participating. So I want to encourage county governments, chambers, city governments, and others to support your local Imagination Library, whatever county you happen to reside in, it does have long-term impact for the community in preparing those kids for school and their long-term academic success and in their long-term health. Yeah, it's uh, you mentioned the Highlands Initiative earlier, and and uh, in the Highlands Initiative, one of the legs uh, there's economic development and there's workforce development and tourism, but there's also health care. And uh, this is just one way to build that healthier community that's going to make a 
healthier community and a better place for business to grow. This is Local Matters. Uh, We are talking with John Bell, and we will be back in just a moment. This is Local Matters. Welcome back. We are talking with John Bell. Uh, John, we were talking about the the uh, Imagination Library, and there's a lot of exciting things going on there. But the the foundation really has a lot of educational outreach efforts. Uh, one of them is called Carmen's Fund, and it's uh, it's got a great history, but it's doing even more things this year than it has in the past. Tell everybody about Carmen's Fund. Yeah, Carmen's Fund is focused on um, creating everyday heroes. That's the tagline for the fund. And we do that by offering um, education in emergency response to the general public for free. So that when you're faced with an emergency situation, you can respond appropriately and potentially save a life. Primarily, the focus of the fund is on CPR education and on how to use an AED. Everybody's probably seen an AED on a wall somewhere or you've seen one in a movie or whatever, but until you've pulled one off the wall and uh, it actually used it, it can be a little scary. Um, they're, they're fairly simple to use, and most of them have directions right there. In fact, many of the new ones will talk to you and tell you exactly what to do when you turn them on. Uh, but it's good to practice that before you're faced with a situation where you're trying to save someone's life with one. Um, The Upper Cumberland is is blessed, and particularly Putnam County, to have a pretty high percentage of AEDs per our population. Uh, We have wonderful heart center in in Cookville Regional Medical Center in Tennessee Heart, and uh, there are a variety of groups, Mended Hearts and and several others, that uh, help folks acquire AEDs and make sure that the schools have them and that many of the churches have them. Um, So they're out there uh, for us to use, but a lot of folks don't know how to use them. Uh, So... You know, in any sort of uh, cardiac emergency, immediate response is crucial for the long-term success of that patient. Uh, It may take a few minutes for EMS to get there. You know, if you're out hiking in in a state park somewhere, it could take longer than that. Being able to stabilize them with um, CPR uh, literally does save lives. Yeah, those golden minutes are really, really important, and and teaching people. Uh, a big educational matter in healthcare is having a population that's prepared to uh, to save that life until a trained professional gets there. So that's a that's a great program, and the Carmen's Fund has been doing that for for quite some time now. Uh, it's just great that that outreach is is continuing. Yeah, and this year the program is expanding. Um, there are now CPR classes offered twice a month at Cookville Regional Medical Center uh, for companies and other groups, um, and Carmen's Fund acts uh, as a scholarship fund for uh, those classes. So if someone can't afford the class and still w- would like to attend, uh, we can cover that through Carmen's Fund. We also offer free classes on our own through Carmen's Fund, primarily for um, groups that don't have the resources to fund that type of thing on their own. Typically, that's uh, churches, nonprofit organizations, and and groups like that. But we have a new track this year, a brand new thing we're offering. And we're focusing on churches, but also moving into school systems uh, with it as well. And it's called Mass Casualty Response. And it is just as scary as it sounds. Uh, The class is to prepare groups to appropriately respond to 
either a, a mass shooter a shooter situation where, where someone's coming and shot multiple people, or there's just a, you come up on a scene and there's multiple victims, which require immediate stabilization. Um, this is, uh, to be honest, almost wartime stabilization training. Uh, we're using many of the techniques that come out of, the, of military response to that type of thing. And it's sad that that, you know, is, is something that's on many people's uh, uh, fear list right now. But you look at the national news and this kind of crazy stuff is becoming too frequent. Uh, so we want folks in our community to be able to respond if something like that ever happens here. And we had a uh, a, a sports team uh, fairly recently uh, on a school bus get totaled. And there was a mass casualty there from a wreck where that bus rolled over. So you're right. You can drive up on a mass casualty situation. It can happen in a church or in a school or in a lot of different settings. And it's it's great that you're training folks. What what kind of training is yeah. involved in that? The, the track focuses primarily on stabilization of the victim until EMS can arrive. So it teaches you how to use a compression dressing. Uh, to stop bleeding, how to use a tourniquet, and how to do hands-only CPR, which is kind of a quick, abridged version of CPR. But those minutes, particularly if, if someone is has a broken leg and they're bleeding, or they're shot and they're bleeding, or whatever it is, uh, that matters even uh, almost more importantly than it would had they not be bleeding out. Um, it becomes essential that you continue that type of thing until EMS gets there. So stopping the bleed and uh, stabilizing them should their uh, heart have stopped uh, is critical in those first few minutes until EMS is able to arrive. Well, that, that program is, is important. I know you've also been involved in getting EpiPens out into the uh, police force. And uh, unfortunately, another issue in the Upper Cumberland and across the nation is opioid abuse. And I know you're working with distributing uh, Narcan and other things that uh, can save lives there. And there's a big education program going on in those areas, too. Yeah, there absolutely is. And uh, it's unfortunate, but those are tools that our community needs to respond to those situations. So we we try to get those out there as often as we can. For the EpiPen program, um, many school systems do not realize they can receive a free EpiPen through a national program called EpiPens for Schools. So we started a number of years ago communicating with uh, with those schools on how they could go about acquiring that free kit for their office or their nurse's station within the school. Uh, so we help them do the paperwork and, and fulfill the prescription orders and things like that for, uh, for EpiPens for schools. And allergies uh, can happen at any point in life. Uh, some children won't develop these until they're, you know, uh, uh, going through puberty, other folks won't develop them until late adulthood. So uh, allergic reactions can become something uh, that is relevant to you at any point in your life. It doesn't have to be something you're born with and have always had. And it can happen while you're hiking and you get the wrong kind of sting. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, bee stings are, are the common thing folks think of and have a major reaction to. But it could be a food allergy or a number of other things. There was a high school sports team um, three years ago. Football players were uh, in a game, and a player's helmet popped off as he was being tackled, and uh, his face started to swell. And everyone was scared. Maybe it's a concussion or you know, some, what's going on. 
And it turns out they had sprayed the field with some uh, a chemical, wow. uh, and he had an allergic reaction to the chemical that had been sprayed on the field. And uh, so they were able to, to stabilize him, thankfully. It wasn't a life or death situation, but that's the kind of thing where an EpiPen can make all the difference. So in addition to the program where they can house them at schools, the foundation also covers um, EpiPen kits for traveling high school sports teams because uh, they may be off-site and that football field may be away from the, the main school building and they may need that kit um, um, out kind of on an, an extra area. Well, that's great. Uh, the, well, there are just so many things to talk about. I know you've got a uh, – you, the foundation, has and the hospital – have a uh, great relationship with the virtual reality center over at iCube uh, at the university and the work that the iCube folks are doing on diabetes education and and other forms of healthcare related activity it is really critical and you folks have played a big part in that uh, talk a bit about why it's so important we're faced with childhood obesity and adult obesity in the Upper Cumberland, and the education associated with diabetes outreach is really important. Yeah, we have a massive issue in, in the uh, uh, obesity and diabetes epidemic in, in the Upper Cumberland and in, throughout Tennessee, to be honest. Some of that is our lifestyle choices, but we also just have a, a kind of a culture here that prefers particular foods and particular activities and, uh, you know, we all love our sweet tea and our fried chicken, and that's okay in moderation. Um, but some of that is, is a cultural uh, phenomenon of, of the South and Middle Tennessee and, and the Upper Cumberland uh, that we all need to work on. We can, we can probably do a little better. But the, uh, the short answer is yes, there's a, there's a big problem, particularly for children. And um, one of the ways that we have tried to tackle uh, the issue is by making um, – uh, you know, you, you try to talk to a, a kid or a youth about diabetes, and it's just kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> and so the, the folks over at Tennessee Tech and iCube have developed this, um, this app, uh, which works uh, with uh, the goggles that uh, are used uh, with the Oculus Rift for the um, uh, PlayStations and Xboxes. It also works with your phone and your uh, Android or smartphone or your iPad. So you can go to an app store and download the app called Diabetes in Your Body, and it will show you what happens to various parts of your body. Um, they fo- focus in on um, your eyes, on your feet, um, on your brain, and, and other components, and show you what happens to each of those areas as diabetes progresses uh, in, in stages. So it gives you a visual on what's going to happen to you if you don't make some hard choices uh, about how you're living. <laughs> and the, the beauty is it's, it's education, but it's rooted in a game and in a virtual reality setting that a, a teenager or a nine-year-old can really relate to. Yeah, much more engaging than a textbook. Uh, the 3D environment is, if you've never been over to iCube at, at uh, Tennessee Tech Volpe Library and, and toured that, you should definitely do so. Uh, you can submerge yourself with these goggles um, actually in the blood vessels and turn around and look 360 degrees around you and see what happens um, in your body as in that different disease state. So it's, it's very, very interesting. It gives you a look you'll never see anywhere else. So. And and a young person can relate to the way that 
that thing looks. We've been talking with John Bell, the executive director of the Cookville Regional Medical Center Foundation. This has been Local Matters, and John, we thank you for being with us today to talk about health-related education. Thank you.